Castagna into Iannaccio. It's a good run made here by Tielemans. Evani waiting in the middle. Thomas coming in as well. That's a brilliant goal. What a fantastic volley by young Luke Thomas. Fantastic ball in. And an absolutely clinical finish by the teenager. And Leicester City with a vital goal and a vital early lead and a goal that might be a giant step towards the championship for Manchester City. Sunji, hi everyone and welcome to the Topical City podcast. I'm your host James and I'm joined by Cameron, who's made a bold wager this week on Aguero and Richard... We're holding up weekend at Bernie style after a heavy weekend. How are you feeling, Richard? The wager that I've made is with life and whether or not I can continue to just do birthday celebrations night after night after night, heavy drinking, and then <laughs> record a podcast <laughs> a couple of days later. So um, I'm holding up, but you might just hear me like head bang down on the table <laughs> in a short while. <laughs> Cam, are you feeling a bit better than that? No, not really. I've been dealing with the general <laughs> public all day, so so it's uh, not going to be a great one. I look forward to that uh, debate later. It's going to be a barnstormer of people being too tired to argue with each other. <laughs> we'll see how that one plays out. Uh, before we go any further, let's give them a quick update on the Yeti Lads table. It's a bit of a quiet week after um, I printed the lineup, Richard predicted the lineup, we're raking in the points, Cameron's there in spirit. And <laughs> it's all the, all the tweets about you being bottomer coming back to bite me. Yeah, I, I still the header on Twitter about not having any points. Yeah, I was going to change that every week, and then I couldn't be asked. <laughs> I think that needs oh, to yeah. change. <laughs> that needs to change because currently Richard sat top with eight points, having lost a point on the Chelsea lineup. I'm second with four. Uh, got no points this week. Cam, you're on zero. First time you back out of uh, negative numbers because you guessed the Chelsea scorer. And then we've got Dan the Man on minus two. So let's crack on with some uh, up-to-date news, shall we, lads? Um, I think hot off the presses at the minute has been uh, the Laporte news, that he's switching allegiances and uh, stalking Eric Garcia a little bit more. Looks like he's moving from France to Spain for the Euros. What do you think about that? just think it's brilliant that Eric Garcia has had to leave Manchester City because he's not getting any game time. And now he might be forced out of the national team because Laporte's decided to switch allegiance. I don't know what the rules are on um, on whether or not you can just... Is it because he hasn't started it? He hasn't even got yeah, a yeah. single senior cap yeah, if, you've, if you've not had a cap, if you capped at under 21 level or lower, you can change. I think it's a bit more difficult. But if you've not received any caps for your national team at all, you can just apply to change your registration. I think it's with Thief Pro. And he's about 24, 25 or something, Laporte, isn't he? To have not got a senior cap being as good a defender as he is in that time, I'm not surprised he's decided to call it a day. And is Deschamps still the lead coach there? Yeah, yeah just like him to fucking it? sling his up. Yeah, yeah. What a cunt. Like um, Diego Costa did the same thing, didn't he? He's, he's Brazilian. Um, but couldn't get into Brazil side for obvious reasons around a couple of years ago, a few years ago. Um, so now he's Spanish as well. So just seems where you go if no national team wants you. There's even been players that have played for their national team and then switched. Well, there's a very close to home one, a couple, uh, Grealish and Rice. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. Irish, and they switched to England, but they didn't play a competitive game for Ireland as far as I know. Right. Um, but yeah, same with the port. He's never played for the main team, and now he's just decided, fuck it. You can't have the Brummy accent that Jack Grealish has got and not and pretend to be Irish, though. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> we should say as well, before we go any further, we're currently recording as the um, United Leicester game is going on. So we could potentially win the league tonight, boys. Hopefully, uh, we'll know before we finish recording. But depends on you two rants on about on the debate. I don't know if I could stand having a celebratory drink, you know, that's... <laughs> I've got some Prosecco that we didn't break open behind me. So for the sound effect, I might pop the cork and just pretend like I've had a sip. Is that warm? Is there a points wager on free if Richard survives the podcast? I think there's negative points if he doesn't survive it. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll hold my head up high to keep those eight points. That's the one, mate. Speaking of uh, potential good news, there's, there's more contract talk going on on Twitter today and it seems like Fernandinho is going to renew for another year I think we've all collectively been calling for that haven't we is it the news you've been wanting oh yeah Yeah. that'd be fucking brilliant if he did Uh, I don't know where that puts us in terms of like the Douglas Louise buyback from what I've read ends this summer so this is our last chance for us to activate that but I mean, Fernandinho's doing it every time that he steps up to the plate at the moment, isn't he? And you can't necessarily say the same for Rodri. So, fuck it, yeah, keep him in the squad, save us a bit of money, and we can just address that problem next season. Yeah, I so, definitely prefer to see Fernandinho on the lineup over Rodri at the minute. So, welcome, welcome, dudes. Please, please do it. Mm-hmm. You can see a bit of a, a trail coming on here. So, Fernandinho renews we decide not to take on the Douglas Louise buyback and in turn we get some money knocked off Jack Grealish. I'll just make sense, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be perfect. Yeah, why not? So say we buy Jack Grealish, is he where does he fit into Pep's lineup? Is he starting alongside Kevin De Bruyne? Or are we playing him out wide left? What do you think? He's gonna rotate through, isn't he? In the same way that Foden can. Or Bernardo can. I think it's just one born body for those positions. As you are right in a bit because um, he plays on the left wing at Villa, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Um, more than anything. And if there's one place we don't need a player at the moment, maybe left wing is the place. Um, so if he can play right wing, we've got decent cover for Mares. That's not too bad. But maybe you're right in that as much as we'd like to have him, he's not compared to other positions, he's not completely necessary at the moment. But we do also have that lack of depth in midfield that we keep talking about where you only want to see the same two midfielders, Gundogan, Kevin, uh, De Bruyne and Bernardo, uh, if he's not playing wing. So, do you not argue that Sterling and Mara is just fighting out on the right? I think I'd Sterling being on the is a uh, thing of the past. You never see him there anymore, do you? Foden's proven that he can do it out there on the right as well. So that would be a bit shit is sort of doing the chopping and changing with Mares and Foden, but it's a good problem to have. Mm-hmm. And another English player as well. Anyway, I'm sure we'll get on to uh, transfer talk as uh, the season Irish. comes to an end. Um, we do have a couple of wages in the pipeline at the minute, don't we? So have we talked about these in the pod yet or is it just on WhatsApp? No, I think well, yours might have been. I know, I think yours might be on the Twitter. 
Right, we, um, we confirmed yours, James, on the last one, but by all means, repeat it. Like, let's hammer it in. Make sure that you can't yeah. wriggle out of it. Well, <laughs> I think it's very poignant at the minute after um, the Chelsea game, but I made a wager before the Chelsea game that Aguero would break the record for most goals scored by one player at a club by the end of the Newcastle game. Really, I should have that in the bag already, but Sergio decided to um, decide that I don't want any more points. Um, so, think, uh, yeah, we'll get on to all The best that, thing but... is, if he'd have scored that penalty and then we'd have been given the second one, you'd probably be three points better off. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I've, I've still got the Newcastle game. If he, if he plays any part in that, just need him to score. He does love a new key goal. He does, he does. But as well as that, Cameron's now waded into the wager Game. I'll wager it. It's a crazy one. You ready? Do you want to tell the uh, listener? I am saying for five whole points because I am very much behind and I need a way back in. And even then, I think you guys are going to have to make some crazy mm. one for me to even have a chance. Um, I'm saying that Sergio Aguero will score the winner in the Champions League final. See, we, we had a bit of discussion on this about how many points you should have for it, didn't we? I hear, uh, Richard, you were very adamant that he gets no more than five. To be honest with you, I was just being a bit obstinate because I'd had a couple of drinks. It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't necessarily... Uh, I'll take more. I, I think five is a nice rounded number to accept that for. But just to just to confirm that, Cameron, when you say that he'll score the winner, do you mean that, like, say we're 4-0 up and he gets the last goal and makes it 5-0? Does that no. count as the winner? What I'm saying is he his goal is the difference. So it's the die three twenty again. And it doesn't even so say we say it ends three two uh, to see. If Serge scores the first goal, I don't win. If Serge scores the third goal, I do win. So it's it's the it's the difference making goal. It's the winner. It's right, that. let's uh, let's move. Oh, um, United have just equalised against Leicester. By the way. All right. Okay. Ahmad. Greenwood, Mason Greenwood, that is a super goal. It's all he needs. Just a second, just a yard or two of space, just an inch or two to aim at. Mason Greenwood always hits the target. Nice one. That's uh, popping that cork back in. <laughs> they play Liverpool on Thursday? They do, yeah. Is that right? Oh, we'll have to wait till Thursday or Friday then. Well, it's only half time, in it. Come on, Ian, at uh, Finish him off, lads. <laughs> well, let's move on to uh, the PSG review. I think. Uh, did you put your phone on aeroplane mode for this one, Richard? Did you have to zone out of everything? Uh, yeah, right. I, basically, so we'll get on to fan negativity um, with a <laughs> with another game very shortly. But what I've noticed that I tend to do is when City go behind or it's a bit of a struggle is I start to just kind of browse through Twitter and see where some of the prominent City voices' opinions are laying. And really, they kind of just engage with massive fan negativity. So I I thought, I'm going to pop it on aeroplane mode. I don't need any mates winding me up on this either. All the group chats popping off if PSG get a a goal ahead. So, yeah, pop that on aeroplane mode as it happened didn't necessarily need it, but um, you better believe that this is going to become a like superstition of mine now. <laughs> so Champions League final, unless I'm in um, Portugal and I, my phone needs to be on, you better believe that's going on aeroplane mode. 
Just just on that, are either of you going to try and get a ticket? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I might well be. Um, I might yeah. well be staffing the event, but not for a uh, not for the, a Manchester club. So um, I'll better oh, keep really? my mouth shut on that one for a little bit longer. But yeah, I could be in the Chelsea end for that one, lads. <laughs> I, I hope that if you I'll do, tell you what, you sacrifice your job. And rip your shirt off to have a city shirt underneath if we win it. If we win it, and you st- and we get pictures of you celebrating in the Chelsea end, hundred points. <laughs> I'll at least have my city socks on. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> anyway, we digress. Um, let's talk about that game. Has there been a better team performance in recent history from our boys? That was that was something really special. Cam, can you think of anything that's come close? It's up there with the best, did it? Like it was one of them games that normally you're so anxious and worried about, and then after the first ten minutes, I don't know about you guys, but I was just calm. Like I wasn't worried. It just looked like we had full control of the game, uh, and we we just looked so confident, which has only negatively affected my confidence for the final. <laughs> but I, I don't think I really. I'm not sure we could have played any better. That that is. Maybe the best we've played all season because we just completely shot them out. I think what's what was brilliant about that performance was the outstanding in defending again from Diaz in particular, but also Stones, Shinchenko, Walker, Fernandinho. Like that back five just completely bossed it. And then I thought Edison had a good game too. So when I was thinking about better performances that we've had. The first one that sprang to mind was against Liverpool in the 18-19 season where we won 2-1. And I thought that was one of the most complete City performances I'd ever seen, especially being at the ground for that one. It was so intense as well. So that one might just edge it because fans were in there. But in terms of like a defensive performance specifically, that PSG one was just out of this world. I think you're both right there. I think if there's one player that can encapsulate how we felt is, is probably Kyle Walker in terms of there's a couple of points where he'd get the ball sort of in the right wing back position and do a cheeky little cut back or he actually lost the ball a few times afterwards but the, the confidence he had on the ball to like take that extra touch and do a little bit of skill or something like that I think that shows how the team felt you know, and- I've got in the habit of doing the Triple H water spit before the matches as well, like he <laughs> likes to do. So uh, we've got that in common as well. That's what's on you. What's the right. Richard, Richard wrestling uh, reference count right now, like 13 to one. Once a podcast. You've also got to mention Zinchenko. Like, oh my God. Is, that's his best game, absolutely yeah, yeah. no doubt. And it was so good that. I remember yelling at him when he was ignoring Fernandinho <laughs> to yeah. tell him to play when that guy threw the ball at uh, Foden's head. But then even following that, when you'd normally be a bit like, he was stupid, he shouldn't have done that, he shouldn't have got, but you were just like, I don't care, mate. Like After that performance, you could have been sent off. And it, <laughs> the only annoyance would have been you weren't available for the final. You were. He was absolutely immense. And it's, it's just... Because I remember his very first... I was at the ground for his very first game in the Cup. Um, and I remember turning to Mason just saying, I think he's class. Like, I, I think he's going to be really... And to see him boss a Champions League semi-final like that is so vindicated. 
I just I think you hit the nail on the head there, mate. The screaming at him to listen to Fernandinho and shut the fuck up to make sure that he didn't like get a booking or a red card or whatever was solely just because you we need him there in the Champions League final. Like I, I don't trust um, the form that any of the other backup like makeshift left backs. I don't trust any of them there now. It, it's got a Vizinchenko. I think he was quite. Um highly strung after the penalty, not penalty incident, wasn't he? That hit him on the shoulder. You could see he'd had a lot of uh, frustration pented up from that. Either way, weekly injustice there, because how the fuck that needed to go to a VAR review in the first place, because say it, it bounces off Shinchenko's hand, like I'm just bouncing my hand off my mic, sorry there. Say it's bouncing off like Shinchenko's hand. His hands are in a natural position, like, he's not made a move whatsoever to get the ball blocked. So I don't get how the referee points to the penalty spot there anyway. Like, even if it did hit his hand, it's not intentional. It's not the silhouette or whatever the handball arguments you come up with. What an absolute stupid cunt he was you know, to even you know what, try mate? and give that. I don't... I actually disagree with you there. I think it was quite smart refereeing because I think he probably knew that it wasn't. But the way that PSG went off on him, that it's just easy to go to VAR and either way he's backed up, isn't it? Like that's that's what it's there for. So th there was no way an error could have been made as long as we trust that VAR, VAR can do the job properly. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, the, the problem that I've got with that, though, is you, you have this instances where referees are outsourcing the responsibility to VAR, thinking that, oh, they'll pick up my mistake. And then what you've actually got is the VARs and then outsourcing it back to the referee and saying, like, oh, well, we don't want to disagree with the referee's decision. Well, like, that's we'll get to that. I think that, the, yeah, yeah that's, that's where the Sterling penalty, like the second penalty that should have been against Chelsea came in. Is like, we'll discuss that again in a little bit, mm -hmm. but that's what it is, is one official outsourcing to the other and then the other one not wanting to correct the referee and so you just end up with the wrong call. So I'd, I'd be really wary about just making decisions like that. It was never on ball. He just shouldn't have given it at all. On top of that as well, based on our previous Champions League exits, that could have been the decision that VAR yeah. fucked and we were knocked out again. That could have been a Lorente handball. So it felt quite comforting, didn't it? Yeah, like, like just like the good old days. <laughs> um, right, so let, let's move on to uh, the man of the moment, Riyad Mahrez. I think it's been a, a topic of debate amongst City fans for a long time whether he's the right fit for the team. If we've seen him at his best, you know, if, if he's a bit too selfish, maybe there's been talk of he'd be the one to make way if Messi was to come in. I think for me, I've been, I was. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been waiting for him to have a moment so that I can look back on him fondly when he's not there anymore. And, you know, like when the players come back to the stadium, they come out at half time and they get a chair and everything. Like, I don't see, I didn't see that happening for Mares. He's had that moment for me now. Like, he's the guy that's put us in a Champions League final. And I know it was a team game, but he scored the goals that put us in a Champions League final. So do you think that's enough now for us to consider Mahrez's time at City a success? I think if you're going to ask about the turnaround on fan sentiment towards Riyad Mahrez, you need to ask the person who made Shakbar well aware of his distaste and hatred for him after that missed Liverpool penalty. Uh, so, uh, Richard. 
How do you feel, Riyad? Well, we're talking about Riyad or Raid. I can't. Which which brother are we talking about here? <laughs> <laughs> I'd if we win it, James. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. Just just on that, me and Cameron were talking about this like during the Champions League, and just because he's good now and has come into good form now doesn't mean that you can just erase how shit he has been in previous games like in previous seasons for us all criticisms that we had of him in previous seasons and earlier this season was absolutely valid it's just now you can temper that with the idea that he's finally come into good form so he was in good form as well in the 18-19 season towards the end of it he's in his best form in a city shirt right now and I'd reckon you can clarify if we go on to win the Champions League final. He's played such a big part in that. That yeah, I think you could classify his whole City career as an as a success on the back of it because he's been integral to delivering something that we haven't achieved before. But I think that you might want to just yeah, let's wait and see how the final goes. And he doesn't even have to play that big a part in that. But if we win it, it will be huge for him. Do you think? Do you guys think? Him and Sterling have swapped brains because <laughs> be, didn't it? the whole problem with was with Mars that he was that he was too selfish and, and he always went for the the shot rather than the pass or he, he didn't really seem involved with the team. Now Sterling's got that exact problem where he's just constantly running at players and losing the ball. So I don't know. It's just it's just strange that we finally got one in sync and the other one's not. What do you guys think about that? It's probably why. It's, it's happened because one of them's fallen out of form and the other one's seen an opportunity and they know that they're going to get a run of games. So Sterling probably thought that. And then he, it's a symptom of itself, isn't it? Because then Sterling started playing well last season. Amara's thinking, how the hell am I going to get back in this team when he's playing that well? So his confidence was then shot and now it's almost flipped. Sterling's looking at Riyad and going, how do I get in this team? Because he's playing out of his skin at the minute. And if I do get in this team, it's as a... B team in quotation marks against Chelsea or in the cup or whatever. And it's he's almost like if, if you're that player, you're going, Where am I getting my my run of games from now? So I think I think it's just a symptom of the other one doing well, whoever it may be. You can throw Foden into the mix for that as well. You know, Sterling's looking at Foden and going, Fucking hell, he's having a blinder. And Pep's picking him for the big games instead of me. How do I get back in for these big games? It's down to an injury, isn't it? Or a specific tactic. The best thing for Mahrez's career is um, Sterling like complaining to Guardiola that he wants more game time, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> which essentially got him frozen out. So, <laughs> yeah, Mahrez should have Sterling to thank for that, I think. Yeah, probably. Um, so just last thing on the PSG review. Do we think that, that it's that lineup for the final? Is this just a copy and paste now? Or is anyone going to sneak their way in? I think it has to be, unless somebody as the last three games in the Premier League just plays completely out of their skin. I, I don't, and even then, I, I wouldn't want to see that that team replaced. I think it's got to be that starting eleven for the final. Yeah, which makes Pep Guardiola keeping his cards close to his chest for the Chelsea game all that much weirder. Well, we'll get on to that. Well, yeah, well, when we do, I saw something about that. So, yeah, I'll, I'll let you know what I heard about that. But yeah. It made sense. For me, the only thing would be if someone like Cancelo, like you say, plays a blinder for the next three games and you're looking at that attacking threat from Chelsea, that you might go with him for a bit more pace, even though Zinchenko's played brilliantly. I don't want that to happen, but you, I wouldn't put it past Pep either. 
but we will get into the Chelsea game uh, right after this break where we're not sponsored by Manscapes like everyone else back in a bit <laughs> I am you're listening to the Topical City Podcast disagree with anything you've heard don't forget to let the Etty lads know at Topical City Pod on Twitter and welcome back to the Topical City Podcast thank you Manscaped the lawnmower 4.0 is just out in America, according to our noisy neighbour friends, so get on that straight away. Precision tools for your family jewels. Uh, <laughs> Have you been paid for this? <laughs> I'll just say, everyone else is getting fucking sponsored by them, so we might as well just start doing it. <laughs> so I they like pay I'm, you in Manscaped products? I feel like I work for them. I've never even seen one of them yet. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I heard Sam Lee doing an advert for them on the... Uh, why always us athletic pod? I was like, right, it is really across the board now. We just need 9320 on, and that's pretty much it, I think. Shout out, noisy neighbors. They, they do it best, though. They profit. Don't, do it. The beard's on display in this podcast, at least for two thirds of it. I don't think we're manscaped. So, <laughs> ideal clientele. <laughs> <laughs> if, if I'm not one of the two thirds, that's because I can't grow a proper beard. Yeah, you were. <laughs> right, anyway, let's. Uh, Get back off the. Uh, I'll get off the topic of male grooming and onto um, the even worse subject of the Chelsea game. Straight off the bat, Cam, did Pep make the right choice in rotating the squad? Basically, Pep did a panenka with the formation. For fuck's sake! <laughs> where, where if he, <laughs> if Serge had scored that panenka, everyone would have been going. That was that was fucking well good quality. He won. If Pep had won that game with that formation and those players. Everybody would have been lauding him, but because it's it was an absolute fucking travesty, uh, it, it rightly went the way it went. I think he was right to rotate. I think he was fucking insane with how he did it. Why the fuck was Raheem Sterling playing midfield? <laughs> like, what was happening? The only thing I really liked about it, I always liked Jesus and Aguero up front. I liked for the first 15 minutes or so that Ben Mendy was playing out and out left wing. Mm-hmm. and basically had no defensive responsibilities whatsoever. And then after that, he pretty much just found himself back at left-back and was an absolute liability. Have you seen that gif of Reese James skinning yeah. and then Pep in the background <laughs> just balling to his knees in despair? Oh, it was it was absolutely... I don't think he's ever made a worse formation choice. He's made some crazy fucking formation choices, but to play that formation with Raheem Sterling in midfield was... Insanity. Do you agree, Richard? Yeah, I agree with everything that Cameron said there. The only thing that I'd say is that that team that went out there could have won. Oh, yeah. Like if if there's the way that the game went, we could have won that um, a number of different ways. But the potential for us to win there was still there. So I mean, Pep doesn't get criticised for it at all. And I think even if we drew the game, I don't think Pep gets criticised for it at all. So there is that to consider. I just think there was maybe, um, like Cam says, like one rotation too many. Like if you'd have had another central midfielder in there, as opposed to doing what he's doing with like um, Torres and Sterling essentially in midfield, that that might have balanced things out a little bit more, especially given us a bit more control in the second half when it when we just started to lose it completely. I was watching the highlights back uh, just to remind myself because it's been a bit of a hazy weekend. And their first goal where they're just allowed to cut inside far, far too easily and get that shot off it. 
like it seems like the ones that we get scored against us are just the ones that are absolutely impossible for Edison to save. Like that first one that they scored right in the bottom corner and then there's the little dink in to the top corner for the for their second goal. So it, it's just unfortunate, but yeah, sorry to going off on a bit of a tangent there, but despite making all of those changes, we could have still won the game. You're so right about the midfield as well. Like the amount of times Rodri was just in no man's land because Sterling was either inexplicably, he would, he, he would normally be so far forward. He was either there or he was like miles back. I don't know if you noticed a couple of times, especially in the beginning, he just seemed to not know where he was supposed to be. And he was basically stuck next to Ruben Diaz. <laughs> waiting for you can't some really blame him for that, can you? When he's just exactly, he don't play he in the midfield. And the amount of times I turned to uh, who I was watching it with and I just went, where's Sterling? <laughs> like looking up front when we were attacking going, where is he? And then it, they'd cut back and go the other way and he stood next to Ben Mendy on the fucking wing. And it's like, who's with Rodri? Who's supposed to be protecting Rodri or, or, or at least shoring up that midfield? Who's there? No, it, it was, the answer was no one because nobody knew where they were supposed to be. I, I'm starting to think it wasn't even supposed to be Ben Mendy at left wing and he just wandered there. Fucked it off, yeah. I think, you know, I'm, I'm not totally decided on this myself yet. I just kind of thought this as, as we were chatting through it. But penny for Tommy Doyle starts. If, if it's to the point where we're playing Torres and Sterling as midfielders, I know that he, he wants to keep the senior players happy. But Doyle's just won the league with the the uh, under is it under twenty ones, under twenty threes, captain them to it. He's a little bit older than some of the other youth players. He's had some first team experience. He trains with the first team. If this game was unimportant enough that. Pep could play effectively two wingers in the middle. Why Why couldn't he have given someone like Doyle a go? Do you think it was a case of keeping the forward line happy and not having a place for Sterling in it? What, so he's just shoehorned in the midfield. Is Sterling happy being part of, quote-unquote, the B team and then, as well as that, being played out of position? I'm not saying he'd be happy with it. I'm just thinking, is this Pep going, well, I'm giving you minutes. Well, he, he will be. Might not be where you want to, but... but I'm giving you minutes. It will be. I, I think, happy, but it's there's a point where it becomes a bit insane, doesn't it? In terms of, I've I've got all these players to keep happy, so I'll just make up a formation that no one ever fucking uses. Surely it would have made sense to pick one less attacker and play someone like Doyle, just so we have a four-two-three-one, for example. Maybe it's a quality thing. Like maybe it's like like Richard said, that team was more than capable of seeing that game out. But if he he, he just wanted to. The quality of those players in the team, even if they were shoehorned in, maybe it's something like maybe you just thought that no matter where you put Sterling, you'll get a shift out of him, and he's just misjudged it. You know, it just it wasn't the right decision, whatever it was. And I think everybody would have much preferred to see Tommy Doyle start if we weren't going to start one of the midfielders. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Richard? I think that it's a season too early for him just yet. Um... I think you said it yourself, James, when you asked the question, uh, is it basically just to keep the players that we've got in our current squad happy? And that's exactly it. Like whether he's got to play a really odd, strange formation in a dead rubber game against an opponent that we've got a massive final coming up against soon, that he just thought, you know what, the stars are aligning for me to play whoever the fuck I want here in whatever formation that I want to play that doesn't make any sense. Like, let's do it. Um, so, if, if, from a Doyle perspective, 
if he's not being called up to the first team next season and he's going out on loan, it's curtains for him. Well, we're talking about just to see the player for longer. Bit, bit uh, morbid that. Someone's <laughs> he's, he's, over. he's still quite young, <laughs> isn't he? Um, the, the thing I heard about Pep choosing that was basically he wanted Chelsea to get a bit confident, and he didn't want his A team's confidence being knocked if we did lose. And I don't know whether that's worth because our our A team would have absolutely destroyed that Chelsea team. I don't know if it would have been worth just playing the A team and getting that confidence in. I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I'd have rather played the A team and battered them and had that uh, and risked a knock if we did lose rather than breaking news: Leicester are winning two one. Woo! Well, Brighton's corner, Sainz's thumping header, Leicester City's lead. He was not for stopping. Thundered through the crowd. And 25 minutes out from 90 at Old Trafford, Manchester United trail and City can reach out and touch it. How much time has been played? We're on about 65 uh, minutes. Yeah, something like that. Nice, it's nice. United will win 3-2, don't worry. <laughs> get that Prosecco back out. <laughs> Did I uh, ask a question then? Sorry, Richard, I distracted Cam by showing the score. <laughs> we should probably move on anyway. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, I'll just say yes and we'll move on. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we've, we've talked about uh, rotation there. Now to get on to uh, Cameron's beloved Sergio. How do we feel? He would well, be... I, I can see your heart. Um, well, I, I was sat there. Uh, as I said, kind of wishing if he did score, he wasn't going to score again, just to spite you. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a stupid move and he shouldn't have done it. There was no reason for him to do it. It never even looked like it was remotely going in. And I was fuming that he tried it. But I think the outrage of it and the and him having to apologise on Twitter, <laughs> I mean... If he if he'd lost us the league because of it, and if he, maybe if he does lose us the league because of it, if in a the world's strangest title race come the last day of the season, but I don't know, players miss penalties, uh, and he's it's not like he's not missed them all this season. <laughs> so I, I think it was stupid. I think he should have just leathered it. I think he he shouldn't have tried to be cute with it. But at the same time, the the reaction to it was a bit over the top. I think. It was just really fucking dumb. Uh, the re- the reaction to it was over the top, but I also think the reaction to the reaction is over the top. Like there's City fans out there who think that you can't complain when your team loses a game or you can't say that Aguero was really fucking dumb to try that rich soft Penenka and like it was just embarrassing. We'd be out uh, of job if you could complain after losing a game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, so yeah, yeah, I think everybody should just sort of like take a step back and gain a bit of perspective. But it was so fucking dumb. <laughs> it was just, and like it I was embarrassing. Before. It was genuinely embarrassing. Like it was one of them where you just take a step back and just go like, ah, fuck. Mm-hmm. That's it. He, that's it's one of them where if he had scored it, we'd all be going, what a cheeky chappy, what a great, <laughs> what a great fucking penalty you took at the weekend. Wouldn't have wanted it any other way. But do you know what? They, that that it just didn't work out. That sort of brings it back to my thoughts on this, which are, I, I felt through that whole game that he was playing for himself, 
And I don't know if I'm putting that on him, but in my head, he looks like a guy that knew he wanted to break that record. And that could be complete bullshit and I could have been reading too much into it. But the way that he fucked up his touch that Sterling then went on and scored and he's kind of having a bit of dig at Sterling about it as if like, obviously I don't, I didn't hear what they said, but the, the gestures they were making on, you know, when they were waiting to kick off again, it looked like he was saying, I controlled it with my foot and I was ready to bang it in. Like for me, it seemed like he was playing for himself and that's, do you know what? He's earned that because of what he's done for us. I understand he wants to leave in a high and he wants to break the record and fair play. I'm not judging him for that, but I did feel that his performance showed shades of that against Chelsea. And I think that that's where the, that's where the apology comes from though, right? It's not just the penalty or the attitude for the penalty. It was the whole game. I think like is what is where that sort of generated from. Mm -hmm. Do you remember he was like that when he tried to break our record? Yeah. yeah. You remember it took him a while to do because he was just, he was trying his hardest to score every fucking chance he got the ball. So I wasn't expecting anything different, and I don't expect it to be any different in the last three games of the season. (laughs) I fully expect him to be taking every shot on that he possibly can. Um, Speaking of Sterling nicking that goal off him, though, as much as I love Sergio Aguero, if anybody needed a goal... Yeah. Well, we said that, didn't we? We said that just before when you were picking your your, uh, scorer for it. Just just on Sterling, though, there's there's really... He was the guy that... I suppose, quote-unquote, headlines did circulate around besides Aguero because, you know, he he had a very dangerous tackle, supposedly in the first half, where he got yellow. He scored the goal that he nicked off Aguero, again, supposedly. Um, and he should have had a penalty at the end. So, Richard, quick thoughts on those three points? Um, it wasn't a straight red for me. Well, like the straight red's for serious foul play. And when you look back at that, his legs not outstretched so that it's like, there's no bend in it. He's got the bend in his knee. Yes. The studs are up, but he's not really going in that fast. And the ball's like, um, gone past the player. Who, who was it on? Was it on Werner? Or was it? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, it wasn't a straight red. I think that they got that right. And for the penalty at the end, yes, it was, it was a penalty. Like you, you watch the replay back and it's clear that it's a penalty. Zuma is trying to get as much contact on Sterling to put him off shooting as he possibly can while not playing the ball and trying not to give the penalty away. But he makes that contact. He stops him from doing it without playing the ball. It, it's a penalty, definitely. And Matt, like I said before, the I don't think that the referee gave it because he was outsourcing the responsibility to VAR. And then VAR come up with that line that you always hear of well it's not a clear and obvious enough of an error for us to overturn it and so it just ends up being an injustice I'm on Richard's side with both of it I, I, I want to say that possible red card tackle is what you get when you play Raheem Sterling and hold him with exactly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was going to happen because he can't tackle so it was, and, and about the penalty Zuma probably didn't even need to do anything based on his recent form. I mean, his only recent goals are tapping. So his touch took him wide anyway. His touch took him away from the goal. It was a hundred percent penalty. No, no doubt about it. Yeah, it was. It really pisses me off with um, these. So the referee, I think, as well, doesn't give it because the the foul earlier on, like, oh, I've given a penalty once already. And it's just like sometimes the the decision seems to be, and I've mentioned this before, 
Manchester City are running away with the league. We've got such a depth of squad in terms of talent that sometimes it's like we don't want to give the, them more of an advantage over an opposition than they've already got. So we're not doing it like desperate for the other team to to get an edge over them in any way that they possibly can. We've given them a penalty once already, so fuck it, we're not giving this other one. And it should have been a penalty. I was going to say, do you think Sky had a word? Like, they're like, we've got no title race, we've got no relegation battle, we've got to do something. <laughs> There's nothing to play for on the final day apart from fourth place again. Jeez. Just, just on all of that, that I agree with you both. The only thing I'd say slightly differently... I'd have probably said it was an orange card. Like, it, if that had been on one of our players, I'd have felt a bit aggrieved that it was only a yellow. But I can also understand why it wasn't a red. It's a weird, weird one, isn't it? Because it's more dangerous than the one that Stones got a straight red for mm-hmm. against Aston Villa. But Stones makes like full contact with that. So I, I think you are right, mate. There is an area there, but that it, it's one of them that they always say could have been given, or I've seen them given. Exactly, exactly that. <laughs> so I think really we can we can put that game to bed now and never talk about it again. But oh, thank God! Just just off the back of it, what are your thoughts on playing Chelsea in the Champions League final? Now, are you a bit more wary of them? Like for me personally, that I, I, I knew a bit about Chelsea. I've seen them play a few times. You know, I know they've got players that are easing into the league and getting used to their first season. The likes of Ziyech the likes of Werner, Havertz, etc. then Pulisic normally plays pretty well against us. For me, I'm the, the ever-pessimistic City fan that sees shades of Liverpool counter-attacking on us over the years and the pace that they have. I know Werner's naturally born offside a la Jesus, but that worries me. And I think it's probably just because it's recent memory. Um, I feel with a better team, but... I, I do I do worry about them breaking on us. Do, do you guys have any of the same concerns or anything different? I think we just played two legs against two of the best forwards in the world. And our defence was almost impenetrable. And I just can't see a world where that the team that gave up so much against that PSG game, Ruben Diaz throwing himself in front of absolutely everything that could be thrown in front of, I can't see him just lying down and taking a lot of counter-attacks against the Chelsea team. And also, we made nine changes. <laughs> <laughs> like They didn't play anywhere near our strongest team. And if our strongest team doesn't just completely capitulate and bottle it, there is absolutely no way we should be losing that final. So you don't have any... And I'm strangely confident. I'm, I, there's the natural city paranoia that I'm trying to fight. But I'm strangely confident. Of it. See, I'm probably as wary as James because if you look back at the, some of the the goals that have been scored against us, like the Bellingham one and the Dallas ones for for Leeds, it's always kind of like attacking midfielder that's able to overlap past the striker and then um, get like a pretty much like a wonder strike just past Edison, what past Edison's reach. And they've got so many players who can do that, like Zayich and Pulisic, and they've got such pace. You've just got to rely on those four defenders who played against PSG and, and Fernandinho as well, having such a, a, as good a game as they had then to make sure that we can see out of the win. But also, did you guys forget that Sergio Aguero was going to score the winner? <laughs> 89th minute sub, 
goal in the 92nd minute. <laughs> imagine, imagine if he's the guy that does the 93-20 moment, but also then goes on and wins the Champions League for us. The only <laughs> downside to it is there's VAR now. So imagine VAR in that if he's oh. happened. He'd have to be a stone wall. He'd have to run from his own half or something. Like <laughs> the only <laughs> thing I can think worse is if we got a penalty. Oh, don't! Oh, <laughs> sort of shiver down. How great! Who takes it? Edison. Who takes the night? Champions who takes League the final. Penalty? Champions League final. Edison. All day. You don't give it Mares. Oh no! Fuck it. Give it Zinchenko. Oh, I'm up for that. I'm giving it big Phil. <laughs> Right, Champions League let's, Stockport. Yeah. It's giving me anxiety talking about Champions League final, so let's uh, let's take a little break and then we'll come back for our debate. We may be fans of the best team in the land and all the world, but sometimes life isn't always great for everyone. You can make life a little bit better for someone else by donating to your local food bank. Visit MCFC Food Bank on Twitter for more information and for their GoFundMe link. Hello, welcome back to part three of the Topical City podcast. We're going to go straight in with our debate. We're only going to do one this week because Richard's really, really, really hungover and he can't handle two. So uh, let's go straight into it. Lads, let's presume that we're going to sign a left back this summer. Should we A, target a big name and have Zinchenko as rotation? Or should we B, have Zinchenko as the first choice because he's earned that right and we should sign a backup for him? Who's going for what side? I'm going to go for A, uh, that we should target a big name and, and with Alexander Zinchenko coming in and out with rotation. Right. In that That's case, me would be. Yep. In that case, I'll let you go first, Richard. Ring that bell. So basically, after we lost Kolarov and Klichy, we basically replaced them with Benjamin Mendy and just Benjamin Mendy at left back. And in that time, we've had... We've converted Fabian Delft. We've converted Zinchenko. Only one of those has worked out in the long term. We've had Danilo come in there a little bit, but that's not really worked out long term. Same with Cancelo. And I just think that we need to actually invest in a proper left back. And if you're going to do that, then you're going to have to go big in the market, buy big, and then Oleg Zinchenko can fight for his place. Like, there isn't another spot on the team where when we strengthen we don't strengthen big so you can't just be generous to Zinchenko because he's in a good vein of form right now and not go and strengthen with the best player that you can get in that position Fair enough, Cameron? I think you're right, the, the way the question's phrased is kind of spot Zinchenko's earned the right to be that first choice left back and uh, you know me, I'm a big fan of loyalty to a club and, and sticking behind players that stick behind the club. Um, Zinchenko, we all know, we talk about it all the time, we all know where he's been, what he's done, who he rejected going to, what he's fought for. And he's and he just put down his best ever performance in, in a City shirt. And he deserves to, to play, basically. And... I've never seen anything in midfield for him that suggests that he should be starting over De Bruyne or Bernardo or anybody like that. So he just slots in at that left-back position. He's pocketed Mo Salah. You know, he's played against some of the best wingers in the world. 
Neymar, and he's he's held his own. And he, it's not like he's a complete liability, even if he does lose it, because now we've got Ruben Diaz on that side. Um, so he deserves the right to play that, be the first choice left back. On top of that, we've just spent 50 million quid on a left back who is an absolute flop. And I don't want to go out and spend another 50 million quid on a left back who is going to be another flop. We've got a perfectly solid left back choice at the moment. So maybe we look cheaper and get somebody in who can grow into the role. And when Zinchenko eventually does move on or lose form or whatever, we have that player who's been learning the system in the background, in rotation, to come in and take that spot. No, I take the Mendy point absolutely there, mate. Um, the only thing that I just throw in there as well is, like, we've tried it with Delph and Angelino before in terms of having a backup that we can go to, and that hasn't worked. Yeah, Mendy hasn't worked out, but there's no need to think that if we don't sign another like player that we know can do the business there, that they wouldn't come good this time. I agree with you. I just think another fifty million pound option that goes down the drain is worse, and you're probably going to get less good results than trying a few cheaper options that that you can train in the way that we play while we've still got a good left back. Doesn't necessarily have to be a fifty million pound one. There's talk about uh, Gaia being available at Valencia because uh, they're short on money, and he's their captain. So we could probably go in and, and you know he's their captain. He's got all that experience. He's probably going to slot in at left back over Zinchenko. And I just think on the topic of Zinchenko, we could probably do with using his versatility a little bit more. Like we have played him in midfield a couple of times this season, but we know that. Mendy hasn't really worked out on that wide left role. There's no reason why we can't use his versatility and try him out in these different positions as well. He doesn't have to just be cemented at left back. And if he is part of that rotational option, it just gives us a better chance to take advantage of the versatility that he offers, like we have done with Bernardo playing around the centre of midfield or up on the wings at times. I think he can do more than just left back. The, the downside to getting somebody like I, I don't disagree guys a good left back but the 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 downside is it takes a player we've seen it with Mares, we've seen it with Sane we've seen it with probably Torres it takes 18 months for a player to play the Guardi all the way and we've already got a player who can do that and I think we've already got a player who does that very well it was it was fought to be in this team so let him do it and then sign somebody who's happy to sit behind him and learn the way we play while we've still got him in good form. Right, let's uh, let's call it there, boys. Ding, ding, ding. Felt quite subdued, that. Yeah. I this think was the, the most pleasant debate. The chillest debate. Were, uh, well, I completely agree with you, mate, but let me just counter that with this. <laughs> well, it's the chillest debate since I debated that a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> That wasn't so much chill as just roll <laughs> over and die. <laughs> yeah, I think this is a combination of Richard. But I still lost the point. Over and why did you lose a point? When Dan rolled over. <laughs> oh, I thought you meant on this one. No. Is <laughs> that wound not healed yet? No, not, not even remotely. <laughs> okay, so I think what this boils down to is head versus heart. And obviously Cameron's arguing with his heart, which is true to form. Um, and I think based on the way Zinchenko's played recently, you can understand why. 
you're completely right in that he has earned his his place in the team, and he has learned the pep way. And we've discussed ourselves, haven't we, that could he play left back in any other team? Like he, he literally is a pep left back. But I, t- I take Richard's point as well that this sentimentality does go out the window for City, and the um, the rotation side of things could be really useful. And I think that. That really sealed it for me. I was I was fifty fifty until you until you said about his versatility and that we could actually bring another left back in and then in theory that squad looked really strong because we've got a natural left back, but you've still got Zinchenko that can play there as well. Um so unfortunately, Cam, I'm sorry. But I'm gonna have to go with Richard for that one. Are you trying to come second? <laughs> well, it, it proves I'm not trying to fix it, doesn't it? Um, proving well, it too much. Well, I was just going to say, go on, Richard. And I knew that despite taking the more anti-Shinchenko option, the best way to win the points was to be as positive about it as possible. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will offer up a bonus point, though, um, as I tend to do. I'll now. take it. Cheers, pal. Um, <laughs> so for uh, the Gael cliche. I had, uh, if any t- any of these two things were mentioned, if you can guess either one of them, you can have a point. I assumed it was the rap video. That's why I stayed well clear. <laughs> Is Inchenko's dogs? No, it was not. It was uh, about his new set of pearly whites. Oh, oh yeah. I haven't even noticed. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was about no, I... uh, how good looking his missus is. And how he's winning at life. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, I don't follow Zinchenko on Instagram, but I do follow no, her. <laughs> <laughs> so there we go. One point for Richard. Had that ding in there, mate. Uh, we'll take one last break and we'll come back and we'll preview Newcastle. Cheers, boys. And there is the full-time whistle. And Leicester City and Brendan Rodgers get a massive win. A victory they so badly needed. And in doing so, we say congratulations to Pep Guardiola and Manchester City who are Premier League champions. It's finished. Manchester United 1, Leicester City 2. And we're back. And boys, we are back as fucking champions of the Premier League. Woo! Get in. Like all of the gang. <laughs> Put it in here. Just there, yeah? Just there. Just at this point. Oh, oh he's shit. Got the champions. Oh, <laughs> going everywhere. <laughs> Woo! Right. Boys. We'll do a, a metaphorical and, clink, guys. Premier League champions I'll, I'll click it in 2021. Well done, lads. Ooh, we never, a bit we of never, air of the dog. We never City. Manchester City. Man blue. Honestly. We are the lads who are playing to win. Sterling's just uh, tweeted, what's that smell? Smells like victory, that's what it is. Has he actually tweeted, what's that smell? Yeah, and the eye emojis look inside on. Oh, but it's can't no, you smell in there? Is the reference. It's the rotten corpse of uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's <laughs> managerial career. Because the rot started, stuff. he'll never do better than this. He'll never do better of coming second to Pep Guardiola. We did say, didn't he, that these that the best thing about last the last game was that they stopped City winning it for another week. But then he just went and completely threw this game against Leicester. 
But I've seen someone on Twitter saying how that they've basically done this so that Leicester get the points, then they beat Liverpool on Thursday and they're trying to keep Liverpool at the top four as well. <laughs> Imagine living... <laughs> Being so pathetic that you are willing to let your city rivals win the league to keep another rival from the top. Honestly, the guy's a fucking joke. But what 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 else has he come out with recently that was just absolute trash? Winning trophies is is all about ego. He's he said something like that. It's all egotistical. You mean in competitive sport, mate? It's well, about ego. You, what a dumb cunt, lads. We we've got all the ego in the world now I like to see more and more tweets pop up Benjamin Mendy the trophy stealer has just put my ratio keeps getting better, better. champions baby I'm <laughs> seeing the picture of uh, Rio Ferdinand laughing about the table at Christmas going round well. also um, shout out to Walter Smith the take it take it guy <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he's got a video up on Twitter I'm sure he's seeing yep. exactly that right yep. now it seems a bit of a farce that we've just spent however long recording this podcast. But actually, we should just Slag wait. Slagging off. Yeah, we should have just started it now and just talked about how great this team is. But I'll tell you what it does do. It fits in perfectly because we were supposed to go into the Newcastle preview. And a lot of what I was asking was dependent on the United result. So it, well, makes, it, it makes these questions a little bit easier now. So how, first question, With, um, how much oh, does Cal, Cal, on, Sorry. Cameron, well, I'll let you mentioned. answer the next question because I've just got to mop up the mess that I made where the uh, Prosecco went all over the show, so I'll just be two minutes. Well, just worth mentioning before we talk about Newcastle, that we're now the second... We've won the second most titles in the Premier League. Really? Yeah, five. Wow. So is that have we overtaken Chelsea? Or are they on five as well? Um, they're not. Yeah, no, I think it would be Chelsea. I think they're, they're on four, right? I didn't know if we were joint... We'll have to have a look for the next podcast. But I'll tell you what then, scenes as um, we're waiting for Richard and we're talking about champions here, for you, where does this team of champions rank amongst our other, uh, one of our other champions winning teams? You know, we've got so many now. I mean, it's it's hard to compare it to a team that got 100 points. And it's hard to compare it, for, at the moment at least, without a Champions League trophy beside it. Mm-hmm. It... It has been, a, especially at the start, a disappointing season um, to start with. And then it just ramped up and ramped up and ramped up and then we just stole the thing. But if this team wins wins the Champions League, it it could stand with the 100 points winners, I think. Yeah, I know what you mean. I think that's my favourite team is the, is the Centurions. Yeah. So if we win the Champions League, it's on par with that. If, it's, if we don't, it's probably like the third best title-winning team, I think. See, I think some context needed there. I think that what Pep's done this year has been not only something tough for the team to get their heads around, but really tough for him to change as well. Like the whole, you know, quote-unquote rebuilding a team and sticking around for longer than what he normally would. Then playing against teams that know how City play now, so he's almost got to reinvent the wheel and play with a false nine and how that's worked out. I'm talking out of my ass, mate. I've just realised we had the unbeaten run as well. Yeah, it's and- impossible to 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 compare them. I think they they're all such good sides in completely different contexts. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I think I think in a, in terms of a week by week watching the team, 
this is probably the least enjoyable they've been to watch in terms compared to other champions. Yeah. However, as an achievement, I think this season is right up there because not only, like I said, him, him adapting to like playing with the false nine and the difficult circumstances around COVID and you know, the season being called off at points and no fans in the stadium. I think this is a really strong achievement and I think it tells you a lot about Pep that we didn't know. And I, th- I think hats off to him, especially for this. Richard, you, you'll uh, miss that question. Uh, I just, I just asked Well, I was going to say, lads, are we just, are we just going to sack this off and go out in town now? Or yeah. What? I, I'm currently <laughs> in the Lake District, so... Yeah, I'll drive back. <laughs> <laughs> um, Cameron... Yeah, I fully expect to see your ass in Tariff and Dale in about 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, struck by lightning. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll try again. Richard, I've just asked Cameron, where does this team of champions stand up to our other teams of champions over the late years? Um, it's right up there, mate. I, I did hear quite a bit of what you had to say towards the end of it there. Um, it, to be honest with you, it, it's really difficult to do a comparison, especially with Pep's um, champion, like Premier League winning teams, because the Centurions one was so different to the 1819 one. And then this one's so different to that. Like each season's had its different trials and tribulations, or whatever that saying goes. I'm pissed already off just this little <laughs> bit of a second. It's all flooding back. <laughs> Um, yeah, it, it's right up there, mate. Uh, everything that you've said there, false nine um, issues, COVID issues. It, it wasn't that long ago that Gary Neville was arguing that we should have points deducted because we had players that were out with COVID and a game couldn't go ahead. Like when was that in December or something yeah. like that to try and get United a few extra points? So we've had it really off this season and Pep's pulled a fucking blinder. Is uh, managed to pull this team back up from the doldrums. I've, I've doubted Pep Guardiola twice in his time at Manchester City. The first one was in the start of the Centurion season when we fucked up a little bit against Everton at home or it might have been just prior to that game when we were trying the five at the back bullshit. And I was like, if he doesn't come up good again this season, then I think we need to have a look at, is he cut out for the Premier League and I was so fucking wrong <laughs> as you know they obviously proved us there and I doubted him again this season when the contract dispute things were going on and I said like the the problems that City have got now aren't just amplified by the problems that we had last season but they're even worse the profligacy in front of goal the vulnerability at the back Um, the just lack of a coherent strategy to break opponents down. And he he turned all of that around and went on a massive fucking winning streak that dwarfed anything that he achieved in the 17-18 season or the 18-19 season. It's just been absolutely fucking brilliant. So here's a little toast to you, Josep Guardiola. Bald fraud. Yeah, you bald fraud. I doubted you twice, never a third time. <laughs> when I doubted him, I lost points. <laughs> <laughs> Let's keep it positive. It pre- I'll still, <laughs> my doubt was, was pre-podcast, so... Uh... <laughs> I'm still going to call him a bald twat when I get one off the lineup. I tell you what, boys, <laughs> in my infinite power as host, I'm going to grant us all a point for winning the league. How does that feel? <laughs> <laughs> I think I think all it'll do is make Dan further up. 
yeah, that's just the funny part of it. Um, do you know what? <laughs> Think about this as well. So obviously we just won the league, and we, we've got a, a, a squad there where a lot of them have won the league before, but you know. Think, think of how some of those players are feeling right now. The likes of Nathan Ake, Ruben Diaz, you know, boys, he earned this. Uh, Ferran Torres. Yeah. Zach Steffen, like, coming over from Is America. Rodri in the league? I was just going to ask about Rodri. Did he win? No. I don't no. think he has, no. No, he hasn't. He only came last summer, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Well, there we go. His, his first season was last season, yeah. Um, so all he's known is Carabao success so yeah. far. Which is all you need. Anyone else? Is there anyone else that's not won one before? I haven't. Lilo. Lilo sat on the bench. <laughs> um, but yeah, imagine how those boys are feeling now. And you'll think about Ferran Torres, like, having shed a little tear when he scored the other day. Like, imagine how he's feeling right now that he, he he's coming through, you know, all of this COVID stuff, moving abroad as a 19-year-old or whatever, and he's now a Premier League champion. We, we, feel, we feel top from this, but imagine how those players feel. Hey, he was crying after scoring a goal. Imagine how he's um, mm-hmm. how he's feeling right now. Exactly. And on top of that as well, if you even if you think about the old players, Phil Foden's is was he in the squad three times now for a Premier League title? Is that three more than three Gerard? Premier League's minimum? Yes, yes, and he's it is. Twenty. <laughs> so. <laughs> Either way, I think that um, I voted for Phil Foden as my Etihad Player of the Year. Really? So I don't know whether I vote for him as my Etty Lads Player of the Year. Oh, but, um, he was he was full on my Player of the Year this year just because I think that for him to come into a team that's laden with such superstars and deny them a place in the squad, um, not only that, but he is playing in a new position this season. Like we, we've had him in midfield, we've had him wide right. This season we've had him wide left. False nine. So he's cutting inside and doing every, yeah, he's cutting inside and doing everything that Raheem Sterling does. He's does it, doing everything that Jesus does and and that Aguero does. And he's managed to have this like amalgamation of all of those players, but also his own personal style on it as well. So for me, like I I voted for him for as my player of the season. Maybe Bernardo if he'd have played a little bit more, but honestly, Phil's just been so so impressive. I can't. Interesting um, that the likes of. Diaz. I'm gonna say, yeah. That, for me, for me, it's Diaz. I was sure you'd say Diaz would be second at, at the least, but you know I love Bernardo Silva, but I, I would find it hard to justify his presence being more important than Ruben Diaz's this season. Maybe it's just a title win high, and I'm, I'm just uh, gonna say the, let's, let's, uh, this is this is uh, what an asterisk next to all this that this is reactionary, and we will do our mm. proper Etty lads plays of the year and everything. No, Rich is locked in. But yeah, I think I think you've got you've got to talk about Gundogan as well. Like he he dragged us through when Kev went down injured. Diaz, the importance he's played in that defence. John Stones, well, what a season that boy's had. Like the, the yeah. team the team is filled with players that have had arguably the season of their careers. And if you think back to what we were saying about Zinchenko, like Zinchenko was nearly out of the club. Stones was nearly out of the club. Gundogan and Mares was two of the most scapegoated players in our team. So look, look at like the, the not Rex to Riches, but look at the turnaround of the, just those players off the top of my head, and then the narrative that's changed for those guys. 
He's, he's spot on there, mate. When you when you were saying before about comparing these to previous seasons, I think that's a massive point that you want to take in comparing it because you've seen the likes of Mares, Cancelo, Gundogan, players who weren't the most highly rated or fan favourites of City fans, and they've almost completely turned that around now. Not quite Mares, if you mean, because I'm racist. But uh, nonetheless, <laughs> but it says it says as much that Mares is. Nominated for the, the, you know, one of the three nominees for the player of the year, and he like, yeah, yeah. You, you wouldn't have seen him anywhere near that. Um, at least not from an Algerian vote. You wouldn't have seen him anywhere near that a year ago. So, I think to a man, barring a certain French left back and uh, a disappointing English left winger, you can't really have a complaint with this this side this season, especially towards the latter half. Yeah, I think this is a it's a nice little segment to. Just to chat through our, you know, immediate reactions to us being fucking champions, and we did we did have uh, on the agenda to chat about the Newcastle preview, and it's all pretty much out the window now. The only the only question I would still ask is, do, does he does he still go strong for that? Is he going to rotate more? Is he going to play some of the kids? Like how do how do you see that panning out, Cam? Knowing Pep, I don't I don't feel like we'll see the kids at least for at least starting he might put them on the bench and bring them on but mm-hmm. every time I've wanted Pep to play the kids in a game <laughs> it's never <laughs> happened so I foresee the B team except for where A team players need fitness mm-hmm. there's no reason not to give Serge three games now at all for him to get that record although if he does if he wants to not play him against Newcastle and then play him against Brighton and Everton that's fine by me um, but I, I would love to see the likes of Liam Dark start. I'd love to see Tommy Doyle, Cole Palmer, all those guys come in for the last three games of the season. But his track record for playing kids when he's got every chance to is not great. Yeah, that's never going to happen. Yeah, yeah. I'd say the completely opposite opinion, to be honest with you, mate. I, I think he's going to go quite full strength against Newcastle. When you look at the fixtures that we've got coming up, it's Newcastle on Friday. And then I think, is it Tuesday we play Brighton? Um, and then yeah, I think so. the sun, the Sunday afterwards is um, is the last game of the season, Everton at home. So I reckon that there's, there's probably a little bit of rotation in there, but I think that it's mainly full-strength team against Newcastle, rotation, heavy rotation against um, Brighton, and then mainly full-strength team against Everton at the last game of the season, give everybody that opportunity to end the season on a high in front of fans at the Etihad, give them that boost that it'll take on the way over to Wembley or Portugal or Istanbul or wherever the fuck it's going to be. But <laughs> give them that extra little bit of oomph. No, I agree. I think we need to keep them sharp. Have Speaking of Everton, have uh, any of you guys entered the ballot to go to the last game? I'm only a Citizens member as opposed to a season ticket. So my... I, I don't get to enter that until I think later tonight, or it might be right, right now. Actually, I'll, I'll go in and have a look. But I was quite low down on the criteria, so I'm going to check it out and I'm going to apply. But yeah. I'm not expecting much. Tom, have you gone for it? No, I don't think I'm even a citizen's member. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, no, I, 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 there'd be so many people going for it. I, I don't think I could be asked to be honest. I'd rather maybe watch it. I'd be we'd be dad or something. Because mm-hmm. uh, it's last game of the season, so good luck, though. Yeah, I, I've gone for it. I, I've gone in for it. So we'll see if I get it. Nice, nice. Um, me and my mate Dave, that I sit next to, we're gonna see if we can manage it. 
Um, well, if you go, mate, you've got to um, do a live outside yeah, yeah. the Etihad Stadium yeah. version of the podcast, right? I'll tell you what, Dave will be all over that. I get Walter on it. <laughs> right, I think, boys, I need to go and get a drink to celebrate. Um, yes. Shall we wrap it up there? Raid that travel lodge mini bar. That's it, mate. Do you want a table update before we go? Yeah, go on. Uh, you made Richard go to nine points and everything else is the same. Wait, do we not get a champion's point? No. Each? Yeah, we all get a champion's point. We need so to go. I'm on 10. Oh. The, first, the first one to break double digits points to eyes, lads. Cheers. Especially not now. We need a, uh, I mean, I'll figure some out. On our graphics. I'll no. figure some out. <laughs> um, I will say Richard uh, is, is, I was going to say he broke double digits on debate points, but he didn't. He's just got 11, so he got, he's already broken it. Right. I'm delirious. Leave there we go. He's just full of excitement. Right. I'm going to go and uh, raise the roof on this travel lunch now. And uh, we'll speak soon, boys. See you Love later. Bye. This, what we are living, we are not living anymore in our lives. It's impossible. My advice, don't drop it. Keep it. Keep it like today. It was so dangerous. You did it well, guys. <laughs>